Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back, Margaritas. I'm Shannon. And I'm Danica. Today, we're going to tell you the story of Morgan Nick. But before we do, we've got a little more information for you on something else. So we, well, and by we, I mean I was at the Northwest Arkansas True Crime Fest a couple weekends ago, and it was amazing. Together, we will be there next year, which will be May 11th. So go ahead and mark that down in your calendar, and we will be speaking next year. So you won't want to miss that. But if you weren't able to make it to that one, we will both be at the True Crime Festival in Austin, Yes, Texas. Yes, and that will be in August. It's actually True Crime Podcast and Paranormal Podcast. So if that's your thing, then we definitely think you should come out and see us, get you some swag, and uh, meet some other amazing podcasters and true crime people. But with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's. Well, let's start off with saying that this is the 28th anniversary of the disappearance of Morgan Nick. And we want to shed some light on it if you haven't heard of it. If you live in Arkansas, I'm sure you've heard of the Morgan Nick Amber Alert. It's based on the Amber Alert, but it goes out in Arkansas when a child is missing. So... The story begins, it was a hot Friday evening in Arkansas. Colleen, Amber's mother, cooked dinner for her family and planned to go to a little league game to watch a family friend's child play in Alma. I know to some of you, you may be thinking, why? But these are small towns in Arkansas and not a lot to do. So you have to take what you can get. Colleen has three children, but the two younger children were going to their grandmother's while they went to the game. Morgan would be the only child going in the family. How old is Morgan at this time? She's six. They arrive at the ball field, and Morgan spends most of the night sitting by her mother on the bleachers. From what her mother said, she was a little bit on the shy side, and Colleen was maybe a little overprotective, or at least she was told she was. Children were coming up and asking Morgan if she wanted to play, and she continued to decline their offers until not too long was left for the baseball game. The children were catching fireflies and invited Morgan to join them. I don't know if you did this in other parts, but this is something you do as a kid in Arkansas. At first, Colleen told her no. It's late, it's dark, just stay here. By this time, it was around 10.30 at night and Morgan knew the two kids. It was a boy age 10 and a girl aged eight. The other mothers were sitting with Colleen, did what mothers do. They encouraged her to let her go play and have fun with the kids. They were saying the kids played all night. They've been safe. It's nothing to worry about. So Colleen does let her go. The game was wrapping up and the kids were heading back to their parents. Morgan apparently had sand on her shoe and stopped to dump the sand out by her mother's car. 
The bigger kids went on back to their families and assumed Morgan was right behind them. Unfortunately, Morgan didn't return back. I failed to mention this too, Danica, but this ball field was a block and a half from the Alma police station. I would assume, like, as a parent, that would give her mom an even bigger sense of security to let Morgan go play. I would have to think so. I would have to think so, but it was also a different time then, and I don't think we were as aware or maybe afraid of the world um, or people were going to harm our kids like we do now. So growing up, obviously with this, well, not obviously to everyone else, but to you, with a sister played softball, there was a ton of fields out there. Is that what it was like for Alma? No, not at all. Alma was a town of about 4,000 then, and there was one diamond out there, no other fields, bleachers going down the first and third bases. There was not even bathrooms there. So they began to look in a panic and they began asking others. The police arrive on the scene pretty quickly and start investigating. I know I mentioned the size of the town, but there were said to be about 300 people at the ballgame that night. Like 300 people and no one saw anything or heard her being kidnapped or anything? I know. That bothers me too. I had thought maybe it was someone she knew and she left with them, but I don't know. I just find it puzzling too that no one saw or heard anything. They talked to the kids that were there with her. They said, oh, quote, creepy man was talking to them. That's how they define him as creepy. They do a composite sketch with each of the children. They describe him as wearing cut off blue jeans. He was barefoot, not a shirt or no shirt with a hairy chest and not really a beard, but when you have it shaved, they said. Way to make this sound, man sound completely from Arkansas. And keep it every stereotype people think of when they think of people like us from Arkansas. Yes, he does. <laughs> So, who was hanging out without shoes and a shirt at the ball field anyway? Hang on. You say that like it's <laughs> something that you would never see, but pretty sure I've seen that before. That's true. Probably has happened a lot. So, they circulate the pictures each of the kids come up with. I hadn't thought much about this until I read that the FBI were saying you can't put, put much hope on a kid's description of somebody. At first, I thought kids can be very observant, but he said to kids, everyone is tall, so you don't have to have, you know, the hot thing going on. To kids, everyone is old, so you may be 30, you may be 60, you're probably the same age to them. Once he said that, I thought back to all the times I thought my parents were old, and they were probably pretty young. They also get all these videos of anyone they can find out there what that was video in their kids that night. We used camcorders then, but we didn't have phones. Not only do they get the videos from the game that night, they get videos from other games, like the high school games, to see if they can find any similarities that stick out. They mentioned that they're looking for a red truck with a white camper, maybe a Ford, and this is everywhere. I spent a lot of time trying to find out how the red truck came about since no one saw her being taken. The best I can come up with is that they did see a red truck in a video they got from that night and they cannot identify who it belongs to. They also saw that that same red truck in other videos they retrieved. 
other videos from that night or from other games? Other games, from my understanding, police are looking into all the trucks they find like that. Some with descriptions are pulled over multiple times to be checked. One guy even wrote, knock the kidnapper on the back of his truck. Probably from being harassed so many times. So it'd be almost impossible to be a person in a red truck with a white camper and not know that the police want to talk to you. Yes. And that would make sense that it could be the truck due to the fact that no one came forward and said, hey, that was my truck that night. Leave me alone. That's what I would think. I sure wouldn't want harassment and the police were never sure it was even involved. It was just something they were looking into. Frankly, the truck and this description of the creepy guy are all they have. There's nothing else to go on. They do have three people that remember the red truck, and they have them hypnotized later to try to find out the tag number, which leads to absolutely nothing. Years later, there is a new investigator that comes in with fresh eyes, and he tries to start all over. He starts looking at any calls they had around June 9, 1995. His belief is that this wasn't his first time. They have a teen girl that was walking in a red truck with a white camper pulls up and asks if she wants a ride. And she's smart enough to say no, thank God. She starts walking away and he sits there and continues to watch her for a while before driving away. They had another call in from a mother who had two daughters playing in their sandbox outside and she hears them screaming. She runs outside to see a red truck with a white camper drive off. The last call Hey, Murderitas, we have a special offer for you today from Freshalicious Creations. You can go on their website. We'll link in our show notes. And you can get 10% off when you use the code Mimosas. So go get you a freshie for your car today. The last call were from teens that were, we'll, we'll just say they were busy down by the river. When they were leaving, they saw a red truck with a camper sitting out there when they left. Sadly, during that time, there was massive rain and flooding. When they also look at now and then, or what pedophiles were in that area around that time, and did any drive a red truck with a white camper? One person they look into is Charles Ray Vines, which was also called the River Valley Killer. He was from Fort Smith, which was about 20 miles from Alma. He killed his first victim in 1993 and was caught in 2000. So he's an active serial killer in the area when she went missing. I can totally understand why they would look into him. Did he fit the MO in any way? Not really. He was just, you know, a pedophile in the area at that time. He didn't have a truck or anything that fit that description but once he knew he didn't have a prayer of getting out of any of this he agreed to tell them about the murders and rapes he committed in exchange they would take the death penalty off the table they had hoped they would find out something about morgan but she apparently was not on his list of victims years later they decided that maybe he wasn't truthful about all his victims and they took the canines out to his property and had them sniff out the land and still came up with nothing. They found another suspect that had attempted kidnapping in Van Buren, which is about 10 miles from Alma in August of 1995. 
A girl and her two brothers were walking home from Sonic, and Billy Jack Links pulled up to them. He gives each of the boys a dollar and tells them to go get themselves something else at Sonic. Then he offers the girl even more money to get in the truck and go home with him. She thankfully refuses, and he leans out of the window to try to grab her and knocks his drink over and drops his cigarette. Once he drops his cigarette, he tells her to get it for him. She tells him she's going to call the police and yells at the boys to call the police once they get to Sonic. At this time, they are about two blocks away, but I just want to say I'm so proud of her and these kids. So this made the news, and a man that was at the bank saw a man talking to the kids in, guess what, Danica? A red truck. Yes, a red truck and wrote the plate number down. Once he saw it on the news, he called it in. It came back to Billy. The police got a search warrant. They searched his home and truck. When searching the truck, they do find some suspicious things and send it to the crime lab in Little Rock. There they find human blood on the seat and hair fibers. They don't have the ability in 1995 to test the DNA as we do now. So when they went back to look at Billy 25 years later, they found the documents and reports and thought, cool, this may be our man. Let's test this stuff and find out. Yet when they go to do all of this, the stuff is misplaced, except the documents letting them know there was human blood found in the truck and hair. Billy had been in prison before in 1992 for sexual abuse, but as you can see, he didn't serve much time. He ended up being found guilty for sexual solicitation on the 11-year-old girl in Van Buren and sentenced to six years in prison. So he ended up dying in prison in 2000. This sounds like it could be the guy, though. Is there anything else that they can go on? In 2020, they actually tracked down the truck Billy used to own. They had it completely torn apart, tested every single thing. They found some blood and hair again, but it was not able to be tested. They did find some green fibers in the truck. They tested. On the day that Morgan went missing, she was wearing her green Girl Scout shirt. They actually located another shirt that was made in that same batch the same year as what Morgan was wearing. And the fibers matched. So is this a solved case now or is it still open? They are still investigating. They have never found her body and they dug at Billy's house looking and came up with nothing. Of course, he died and they can't question him, but there is so much that actually adds up to me. Police have named him as a person of interest and would like any information one has on Billy Jack Links. If you know anything, you can contact the Alma Police Department. I know we would all love to see this case solved and her parents could have closure even if they don't have justice. And it's been a really big deal for her mom this whole time. She's never given up hope on bringing her daughter home in some way, even doing a documentary called Still Missing Morgan um, that came out not that long ago. Um, where they go back over the case, and here's what her mom had to say about that. When we approached uh, this idea of the documentary three and a half years ago, 
my goal was to use it as one more resource to find Morgan to try one more thing. You know, that's my job as her mom is to make sure we don't leave any stone unturned. And this felt like a very good way to be able to do that, to tell her story nationally, since we don't know where she is. You are. We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers. So Colleen has been a very big advocate in helping locate not only Morgan, but with other missing children. She started the Morgan Nick Foundation. She has a lot of women on her board. Um, she's a board member herself, but they do a lot in trying to help find missing children. And if you want to, you can go on there and make a donation. We've made a donation um, for the Morgan Nick Foundation, so I'm sure they could use anything you could help. Yes, so you can do a one-time donation or you can do monthly donations. Uh, the link to donate will be in the show notes so you can find it easily. We'll also post it on our social media pages. Uh, we highly recommend if you're able to donate. If you're not able, that's okay. We would love for you to share uh, Morgan's story and the page to donate so that others who may have the means at the moment can do that. Um, we would love for Morgan to be brought home. And I know that Colleen would love that as well. And in the meantime, she's working to help other missing children. So I can't even imagine what that's got to be like for a mom. No, that's just devastating. That's my worst nightmare. But let us know what you think. Was it Billy Jack Links that has passed or... Do you think there was somebody else who did it? If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.